0: An insane SummerSlam weekend. Plus, we've got details for all in. All of that and more today on The Faction. I What's going on family? Happy Monday and welcome to another edition of The Faction. I'm Gerard and I am excited that we get to talk pro wrestling yet again. It is always a privilege and honor to be able to hang with you guys and to have these great Conversations as the month of August has come in certainly much more like a lion than a lamb in the space of pro wrestling. So, we're going to dig into a lot of things as we mentioned at the top of the show. Firstly, a big thank you to all of you who continue to support what we're doing on the socials Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. Thank you also for those who are following us via video as well. And when I say via video, like you're watching our video shorts, our commentary conversations, all all those cool things. We definitely appreciate that. And if you're not already subscribed to our podcast, do that today. It will make sure that you get notifications as soon as our episodes drop. You don't have to wait for social announcements or anything else. You'll be able to access it that way. Also, I wanna do this at the start of the show, if there are topics that you'd like for us to address, perhaps in a quick video or even as a full topic here on our podcast, would you let us know? You can either comment on any of our current posts on the socials or you can send us a direct message and we'll be able to start working on that content for you. We've got some cool content in the pipeline that I think you guys are gonna really enjoy and I know a lot of you have asked about some historical facts and things Of that nature, so we'll dig into all of that certainly over time. Right now, though, I want to start in AEW. I know you wanted me to start at SummerSlam, but I'm going to start in AEW and we'll pick up SummerSlam on the second half of the show because AEW has really made some very interesting strides. We found out last week the main event for All In. Now, if you're unfamiliar, All In was the original event that many would argue actually launched what we now know as AEW, as Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks looked to prove the doubters wrong by being able to have an independent show with 10,000 people in attendance. Well. They did that, that birthed AEW, and now we are on the precipice of even more history. As that history looks like this. There are apparently over 80,000 tickets sold for AEW's All-In in Wembley Stadium. It is shaping up to be the largest pro wrestling event outside of WrestleMania in history. Now, As it's being stated, is that there's probably one asterisk on that. And this has an asterisk anyway. And that is in the early 90s, there was an event called Collision in Korea, which involved WCW and New Japan. And it was reported that said event had 150,000 on the first night, 190,000 on the second night. The problem is it's North Korea. And so we can't necessarily verify that those were the actual numbers just because of the way North Korea handles its media and, dare I say, propaganda. So. If we take that off of the table, indeed, we are looking at a historic situation because for those who were wondering whether or not this would be something on pay-per-view, I knew it was going to be. And here's why. There's no way you're going to have an international event at Wembley Stadium and break records and not gain more money by allowing people to actually view it the spectacle and the sight alone will be incredible. So for context, usually at an AEW event, you'll see anywhere, depending upon the size of the venue, between 5,000 and maybe 10,000 people in attendance. Again, it depends on the venue and how they have scaled things. So that means the sight of 80,000 people will be anywhere between 8 to 16 times the amount of people you would normally see at an AEW event. Do you realize how crazy that's going to be? And I'm imagining that they're going to minimize the staging, much like WWE did with SummerSlam, and we'll talk about that on the second half, but... To do that, that will ensure that there can be more seats sold and more people in the building. This is going to break the record that was set by SummerSlam 92, where they had 80,355 in attendance. This is going to be huge, guys. Huge. Massive. So as is the AEW tradition, we did not know a single match going into all in until this past Wednesday. Before I say that, I want to just again give you a visual in terms of context. SummerSlam this weekend had a hair under 60,000 people and all in will have more than that. Amazing. So what should be the main event? of the biggest card outside of WrestleMania in pro wrestling history. Well, MJF laid that out for us as he made the challenge to Adam Cole, and they will battle on the biggest stage outside of WWE ever for the AEW World Championship. Now, I think it's a great match to have. In my humble opinion, I think, you know, the fact that there are quote unquote two world champions in aew that event should solve and answer that question but i'm not the one making the rules around here as we found out on collision there will likely be two more matches that we can probably talk about for all in one of them being the tag team titles the young bucks against ftr That would be their third meeting, and yeah, that match is certainly worthy of such a massive stage. And then potentially CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. Will CM Punk defend the, quote, real world championship against Ring of Honor's TV championship? I don't know how that's going to go, but that's a massive stage for that particular match as well. So one match solidified, two potentials, and some others to be announced, I will say that I give kudos to AEW because we're four weeks out from all in and they're actually announcing matches already, which is highly unusual, but they understand the assignment and they will definitely want to pick up those buy rates on pay-per-view. I think for AEW, they need this incredible event and they've been on some great momentum. I have to admit, I will also say this. Whether you acknowledge it or not, Collision is a special show. And they were dealing with their first bit of real opposition as it was Collision directly competing with SummerSlam. And yeah, I'll just tell you what I did. I watched SummerSlam Live and Collision On Demand. I'm pretty sure the numbers will likely reflect that, but Collision had a stacked show. I think there were like four championships on the line. The tag titles, the trios title, the TBS title, and the quote, real world championship. They did all they could to stack it, but these are some of the problems that they will have going forward as they are dealing with the competition from WWE PLEs, which will likely happen uh, close to once a month and then you're also looking at college football baseball NFL like there's a number of things that will potentially rival that but they obviously knew that when they jumped into this Saturday night time slot for collision nonetheless AEW I think on a roll but I do have a question and it would not be right unless I asked this question Matter of fact, let me pose the question to you guys, and that is this. So do you think it's a smart move to have All In on August the 27th, the largest non-WWE wrestling show in history, and then follow it seven days with a second pay-per-view all out in Chicago? What do you think about that? Let us know on the socials at The Faction Show. I'll give my I wrestled with whether or not I should give my opinion because I don't want to sway you one way or the other. But I will say that I don't think this is a wise move. Here's why I don't think it's a wise move. All of your energy right now should be on what you are saying is the largest show in pro wrestling history. So if that's the case, go all in right? Like let everybody lay it on the line so that they're not reserving things for seven days later. And it's not just that it's seven days later. It's three days later on Wednesday for Dynamite. And then that same night for Rampage, unless they choose to do Rampage Live in Chicago, then you have Collision on Saturday and then the pay-per-view on Sunday. That's a really stacked week for a company that doesn't travel and do house shows, a company that has kind of split its roster between Dynamite and Collision. Yeah, I, and then you add travel, jet lag, all the things, but hey, who am I and what do I know? Be that as it may, what are your thoughts on AEW All In? being followed by AEW All Out seven days later. And as you're answering that question, I also want to know, will you be watching both pay-per-views? And if you're only choosing one, which one will you choose? With that said, that's great conversation about AEW. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about all things SummerSlam because it was a very interesting weekend. We'll get into that when we come back. This is Caprice Coleman, and you're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. That's right. The melt, the style, the grace, the shape, and the faith. Support Bonafide Radio, The Faction. Keep it on, baby.
1: I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I got to plan the show first.
0: He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy, because at the end of the day, Wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content,
1: but that I started to see all the things that he was doing.
0: They were starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were going to be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perceptions, reality.
1: How did we get on Southern Honor?
0: What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm going to do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done.
1: You always told me if
0: for it a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, if this year is going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book and Southern Honor is just another chapter.
1: As long as there is a and there is a U, it will always be S.H. S H W. This is a total package, Lex Luger, and you are turned into the Fat team
0: indeed it's the biggest party of the summer and this biggest party of the summer was not without controversy we're talking about SummerSlam 2023 went down at Ford Field in Detroit nearly 60,000 in attendance and there's a lot to discuss relative to the card relative to the things leading up to said card and even some of the things that were mentioned in the post-show press conference So let's first start with the actual card. Well, before we get into the card, let's talk about Ford Field. Ford Field, for those who may not realize, was the home for WrestleMania 23, which had over 80,000 people in attendance. And I happened to have attended WrestleMania 23. It was pretty cool to be there. I will start by saying, being the numbers guy that I am, and you could argue that I'm a bit of a historian with this, the first thing I noticed, the first thing I noticed is that there were 20,000 fewer people at SummerSlam than there were at WrestleMania. Now let's be fair. And here's what I mean by being fair WrestleMania is WrestleMania, right? And there's really only been one or maybe two years where a SummerSlam outdrew WrestleMania. The first being in 1992, when SummerSlam was indeed at Wembley Stadium. Wembley Stadium pulled in 80,000. WrestleMania 8 that year, which was about four months prior, pulled in 62,000. So there's that. And then there was just a couple of years ago, 2021, when SummerSlam was in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. That event hosted 51,000 people, while WrestleMania that year hosted only 25,000, and they spread it over two nights. Now, let's just remember, it was 2021, the pandemic was happening, WrestleMania was really the first event where WWE had allowed fans back, and it was limited seating over two nights. Meanwhile, by the time we get to SummerSlam in 2021, the WWE had started welcoming fans back just a couple of weeks prior. Hence, WWE's SummerSlam outdrawing WrestleMania. So it's only happened two times in the history of the company. It's kind of unfair to expect that to happen in 2023 it wasn't going to outdraw this year's wrestlemania but it did not outdraw wrestlemania 23 again wrestlemania summer slam they're just two completely different events in terms of the urgency that fans have to attend and then there's this conversation which we've been having quite a bit on women's wrestling talk wwt live if you guys check it out on monday wednesday and friday we've discussed the allure of the city of Detroit, which I think is a completely different conversation to have, and I'm a little nervous because I certainly don't want to offend any of our fans in Detroit, but for whatever reason, the prevailing thought on the internet amongst the internet wrestling community is that Detroit was not an alluring enough city for people to want to travel to not considered by many to be a destination city, unlike places like New York, Atlanta, Dallas, Miami, LA, etc. So yeah, that's an interesting, interesting comparison. Nonetheless, close to 60,000 people is a great, great number. It looked amazing. And here's what I mean by it looked amazing. WWE has figured out We can do more with minimal staging than with the big giant stages. And if you save those giant stages for WrestleMania, it really does make WrestleMania that much more special. So with that said, I love the staging. It was minimal, but it worked for sure. Now then, let's just run through the results. If you did not watch SummerSlam yet and you do not want spoilers, press pause on this podcast. If you've already watched or you've seen the results, then no worries. There was no pre-show to SummerSlam. It began with Logan Paul defeating Ricochet. Cody Rhodes defeated Brock Lesnar in their third encounter. L.A. Knight won the SummerSlam Battle Royal, which was presented by Slim Jim. Shayna Baszler defeated Ronda Rousey by technical submission in their MMA fight. Gunther defeated Drew McIntyre to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Seth Freakin' Rollins defeated Balor to retain the World Heavyweight Championship, Bianca Belair defeats Asuka and Charlotte Flair to win the WWE Women's Championship, only then for Io Sky to cash in her Money in the Bank contract and become the new WWE Women's Champion. And in the final match, Roman Reigns defeats Jey Uso in Tribal combat to retain the undisputed wwe universal championship and his title as the tribal chief okay so let's talk about some takeaways from this logan paul versus ricochet i thought it was a solid match Certainly, Logan Paul was due a win, and I know some people don't like to hear that, but given his contract, given his social media following, he can't keep losing. He took L's to Roman Reigns back in November. Then, of course, he did not win the Royal Rumble in January. He did not win his WrestleMania match against Seth Rollins in April. And then in July, he did not win the Money in the Bank contract. So technically, that's four losses in a row. He's got to win something. SummerSlam happened to be where he made his solo debut last year against The Miz. Remember, he teamed with The Miz at WrestleMania last year defeated The Miz at SummerSlam last year, and then goes on to, of course, take on Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel in November. So with that said, Logan Paul was due a win. Shout out to Ricochet, who I thought put up a great match. But let's just be honest for a second. Logan Paul, and I just rattled off some names. I'll rattle them off again. There were the Mysterios at WrestleMania 38. There was The Miz at SummerSlam. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Royal Rumble, Money in the Bank ladder match, and now this match against Ricochet. Very few people can actually hang in there with Ricochet for Logan Paul to do that in the way he did. I think we've got to put some respect on his athletic name. We may not like who he is as a social media maven, but we've got to put respect on his athletic prowess. It is amazing to see what this guy can do. And again, he's now only had maybe seven matches. Pretty insane. But shout out to Logan Paul. Now, my real question is, what does this do for Ricochet? Who obviously had a great push. I don't know that we got the viral moment that everybody talked about. I kind of, you know, viral moments are so hard to predict. It's almost like when you go into a match calling it the greatest match ever and the match never happened. It puts undue pressure For the match to perform and because the bar is raised so high with expectation it becomes very difficult to actually meet said expectation so I don't think that Logan Paul and Ricochet had a viral moment but I do think it was a really good match now then to Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes I think we all knew Cody Rhodes had to win this match because where does Cody go if he loses this match I thought it was a great match they told an amazing story But at the end, Brock Lesnar actually showing respect to Cody Rhodes, raising his hand. Like, we've never seen that in 20 years of Brock Lesnar. That was really something special, and I think it spoke volumes, and I think it is as though Brock has given his seal of approval To Cody Rhodes so that makes things very very interesting in terms of Cody's road to the championship we'll see what that looks like the Battle Royal LA Knight had to win though it marked the return of Omos who we have not seen in a few months Omos looked very impressive as he should in the Battle Royal but LA Knight is your winner and if you can't figure out how big LA Knight is now LA Knight is in a Slim Jim commercial, which immediately followed the Battle Royal. He is there with Bianca Belair. That should tell you all you need to know about how big LA Knight is. LA Knight, in the month of July, the number one merch seller in all of WWE. That, too, is a massive statement. Given Cody Rhodes had kind of been the man in terms of merch. Okay, so I'm gonna say it. Perhaps the most disappointing match on this card Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey. So let's just kind of talk about it. I realized in watching this match just how our expectations are set. So had they had perhaps the exact same match in the octagon or in the fight pit, we all would have responded differently. But the optics of it being in a WWE ring with ring ropes, You just don't get the same feeling or expectation. And I think they were trying to make this as much of an MMA rules as you can. Here it is. It's like attempting to play football on a tennis court. Just doesn't work. Playing basketball on a baseball field doesn't work. And I think that is what ultimately happened with Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey inside of a WWE ring. If you put it in the fight pit, if you took the ring ropes off, if you I mean, there were a number of optics that could have happened that would have made this work. Now, there are those who said that perhaps commentary on this should have been a bit different, which side note. In case you have not heard, some commentary changes are taking place as of today as Michael Cole is moving to Monday Night Raw along with Wade Barrett. And then on the SmackDown side of things, Michael Cole will remain as Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves will move to SmackDown. So SmackDown's going to have a three-man booth. Raw will have a two-man booth. Raw will still be three hours. SmackDown will be two hours all of which are very interesting. And I'm hoping that one of these days, matter of fact, perhaps the next commentary announcement they'll make, they'll announce somebody you guys hopefully know and love. Now then, back to SummerSlam. I know, or at least I felt like the sentimental favorite coming into this was Shayna Baszler, but Shayna Baszler actually looked like she took some pretty tough lumps in this match. She had a couple of great moments but I don't think that this match did what it should or could have and I think the optics were really to blame. Take this same match, put it in the fight pit, put it in the octagon, we got a much different story. So we go from that to the uber hard hitting match between Gunther and Drew McIntyre. Everything we expected and then some. These two just do not disappoint. And honestly, I have no idea who's taking the Intercontinental Championship off of Gunther. I do think that he is set in the next 30 days or so to become the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion in history. And I think he needs to add an extra 200 days to that record. If you'll remember... The lone title that he's held in WWE, the NXT UK Championship, he held for over 860 days. I think we need to put that kind of respect on the Intercontinental Championship because Gunther is just that tough. Gunther is amazing. He's believable. He gets it done. And he's a great representative for the Intercontinental Championship. Now then, Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. They gave it all to us. They really did. The false finishes and all of the like, I loved every bit of it. My only issue is, I really believe Finn Balor should be the World Heavyweight Champion. I think you really do some things with the power dynamic in terms of Judgment Day, right? finn becomes the world champion mr money in the bank is damian priest north american champion is dominic mysterio and then of course mommy is the women's world champion let them ride high for a bit and then let the cash in happen by damian on to finn balor now we're cooking i think that if i'm booking it is the way i tell this story Either way, Seth Rollins is still your champion, and it's clear that there's a rift between Finn Balor and Damian Priest. What does this do for the Judgment Day? I guess we'll have to find out on Monday Night Raw. Now then to this women's championship match. Triple threat match, Asuka, Bianca, Charlotte Flair. Just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Got very nervous about the injury for Bianca Belair, but Bianca comes back, and I will say this. In all of my picks, I did not pick Bianca winning the championship. It just felt like it wasn't going to happen. Then she wins it, and then EO cashes in. I think this is great storytelling for a couple of reasons. You remember, I think we all began to finally see Eo as a championship contender when she fought Bianca Belair at Backlash in Puerto Rico huge moment amazing times incredible incredible stuff then she went on to win Money in the Bank and I know a lot of us want to see her against Asuka I really believe they're saving that for Mania that is a Mania-esque match that should totally happen so where does this put Bianca I don't know but I know some people were upset but let me just say this Bianca losing That's not a bad thing the way this happened not a bad thing EO is very very worthy and it was such a great moment for damage control One year after forming at last year's SummerSlam now they've got the women's Championship in their ranks totally Totally great that leads us to the main event Roman Reigns Jay Uso tribal combat this match went something along the lines of 36 minutes which is the longest singles match for Roman Reigns in this championship reign for him what a match between him and Jay Uso several times I thought Jay would win but we're all talking about the shocking moment at the end where Jay Uso is pulled out of the ring by who we would find out was his brother Jimmy Uso If there's ever a family that needed therapy, a prayer circle, intervention, it is the Anawaii family. What in Christmas lights is going on here? This is crazy, crazy. I can't wait for the explanation for why Jimmy, who was trying to convince Jay to leave the bloodline, would now cost Jay. Well, actually, as I said it out loud, it made sense let's see if they go with this but this is what makes sense to me so main event Jey Uso doesn't become main event Jey Uso unless Jimmy gets injured there's a part of me that wonders if Jimmy is jealous of that or is it that Jimmy does not want Jay to be the tribal chief their twin brothers you mean my twin would rule the family and not me that's a possibility I don't believe it's necessarily loyalty to Roman as much as it is I don't want it to be Jay all sorts of questions that need to be answered and then some so your thoughts on SummerSlam let us know on the socials at the faction show so before we go one thing that you may have noticed is that there were not very many women's matches And that was a bone of contention with a lot of people in the IWC and a number of the women's wrestlers in WWE all posted in a degree of solidarity all of the things that they were doing instead of being at SummerSlam. So Emily May Heller, who does work with Women's Wrestling Talk and does work with some other great, great organizations as well, asked a very poignant question to one Triple H in terms of the women's presence or lack thereof on SummerSlam, to which Triple H had quite the answer. Here, I want you to check out this exchange for yourself. I wanted to ask, there's been a lot of discussion across the wrestling sphere about women and representation and diversity across Many wrestling promotions, and so I would like to hear from you as someone that is ahead of creative how, especially with a new champion tonight, how are you pushing women across the board at WWE, especially with some new premium live events in our future? Mm
1: -hmm. My take on that is the same as it's always been. On that, I don't see the difference. I look at the women in WWE just like I look at the men in WWE, Um, their talent. And it's irrelevant to me if they're female talent, male talent doesn't matter to me. I um, put the same amount of thought, put the same amount of process, um, and are just looking for the things that are delivering in the moment. I said it when it was when when they did it when women main evented WrestleMania it was because they were the main event of WrestleMania. I, we. We didn't make them the main event of anything. And this has been for me through takeovers and NXT and all of it. If they were the main event, it was because they were the main event, not because, Hey, that's pretty good. You guys are women. I think I'll get better press. If I put you in the main event, that's cool. Right? No, it's not. It's, it's whoever is the most deserving, whatever is the most deserving. You know, there's, there's always going to be criticism of everything we do. My only thing is, one, have patience. Two, there's, there's always another thing around the corner. Um, and, you know, like there, there was a lot of, of uh, banter that I saw uh, this week about matches being cut, right, which is the word that was used. But nothing was cut. There was no card announced, right? If, if we don't have more things in the pocket ready to go for a PLE than can fit in the PLE, I've done a terrible job because there's always an injury waiting around the corner. There's always a moment that changes everything. And when one creative thing changes, it changes the trajectory of everything, right? So if you don't have more stuff than you need ready to go, you failed. Then you get to the unfortunate place where you and I have got too much stuff. I don't know about any of you, that show was plenty long tonight, plenty long, right? if it had been longer, it would have been bad. And so there comes a time when you say, well, does everything get shorter time? Does everything get rushed? Does everything get harried? Or do we move things around and shift it and give it a bigger spotlight? As a performer, for me, I'd rather have the bigger spotlight. That's how I look at it. But when it comes to the difference between, like, how do we how do we write the storylines? How do we get here and there with, with different characters and all of that. I don't look at it as any different. It's talent, what can I, what storyline can I create with the best talent to create the best moment, to create the best matches, main events, PLEs, and everything is looked at as a whole. And it's looked at as a cycle from the year, right? So you, you have to look at all of it, it's, it's a gigantic puzzle.
0: Okay, so I need to know your thoughts on Triple H's answer to this question. Matter of fact, I'm going to leave it as a cliffhanger because I, I really want to dig into it, but I'm running out of time and I want to honor your time. I will say this, Triple H may or may not be right, but I think it's all in how you say what you say. I think what Triple H was trying to say was I view the men and the women equally here in our company, But I think by saying, I don't see them as the women and I don't see them as the men. I just see this. I think what you're doing is you're turning a blind eye to, in fact, the minority in this business, which gender wise are women. We've got to acknowledge that. And then there are parts of me that makes me wonder what kinds of diversity conversations are actually happening in the places where they need to be now. Why this is complicated and dare I even say nuanced is this, because I do believe that the best stories should be told. I do believe that the best wrestlers should be presented regardless of their ethnicity or gender. I also believe that we need to pay close attention to exactly what the makeup of the wrestlers presented on television looks like. So we need to ask ourselves, do we have enough representation from these communities? Now, if it means that there are people who just aren't ready, we have this discussion pretty regularly on Russell Extra every Tuesday. If we're in a space where there are just people that are not ready yet, so be it. But right now in the women's division on the main roster, we have one African-American competitor. That is Bianca Belair. When Naomi left, when Sasha left, that really took that away. Now, there are a few cooking right now in NXT, but there's only one African-American female who just happens to be at the top of the card because she's just amazing. There's two Latina women in WWE on the main roster, Raquel Rodriguez and Zelina Vega. And so I do think that there has to at least be an acknowledgement of this Because you cannot fix a diversity issue if you are unaware of it. At the same time, and this is where two things can be true, at the same time. At the same time, I don't want people paraded in front of us just to check a box, right? It's a nuanced and complicated conversation. Wanna get your thoughts on it on the socials. All right, enjoy Monday Night Raw tonight. A very full schedule of pro wrestling this week. You've got Raw, NXT which by the way Tuesday night is also the season finale of Dark Side of the Ring where they will be talking about Marty Jannetty. This should be compelling for sure. Wednesday night you've got Dynamite, Thursday night Ring of Honor and Impact, Friday night we've got SmackDown and Rampage, and then of course Saturday is collision. Until next time, representing from my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction.